God, we bless you tonight. We glorify you tonight, God, for who you are. And we thank you for your word. Let your word, God, have free course this night, God. Go beyond where we are. God, you know who needs to hear what you have to say tonight. And God, we thank you for the, the life and the light out of your word. We thank you for the power and the transformative effect of, of your word. God, we praise you for your kingdom. And God, we thank you that your kingdom come and your will be done, God. God, we praise you for strongholds being broken tonight, mental strongholds being broken tonight, God, that which would try to hold us back and pull us back from what you intended. God, we thank you for the supernatural intervention of you, God, in, 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 in every area of our lives, but especially our minds. God, we magnify you right now for, for, for God uh, uh, causing your face to shine upon us, being gracious to us, God. God, we praise you right now for your finished work, the finished work of Jesus Christ, God. And we thank you for the authority, the authority that we walk in this day, Father. We bless you that, that God, hearts will be transformed, minds will be changed. God, we thank you that, 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 that new pathways will be charted, that new courses, God, uh, will be seen, God, because you've already uh, predestined and designed and laid out the paths that we should take, God. And those paths lead to a good and great and glorious uh, destination. So, God, we magnify you for, for even redirecting purpose, God, where, where one may have been going one way, uh, cause them to make a turn, God, and go in the right way, in the right direction, Father. We glorify you right now for, for all the word that has been released all the word that has been um, 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 uh, put forth, spoken forth, prayed forth, decreed and declared and released, because we stand on the shoulders tonight of those who have gone before us, those who have laid, laid the groundwork and those who continue to build upon that work, God. We thank you right now that, that all of heaven is backing us up tonight, that God watch over your word to perform it, and we thank you and we believe to see God, your goodness here in the land of the living in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't introduce myself. Uh, my name is Pastor Gabriel Dudley, and I'm one of the pastors here at Abounding Grace. And on behalf of our pastor, Pastor Walt and Pastor Patient, our overseers, as well as my wife, we welcome you tonight, this, this evening. Uh, pastor Walt's been teaching on Occupy Till I Come. And, and that had everything to do with doing business. Um, and, and souls was that one thing that, that Pastor articulated that, that is always on God's mind. But whenever he brings it up, um, he wants us to, hey, either refocus us or resync us or bring attention to, to a thing that we may have not been giving as much attention as we should have you know, to it. And then from there, uh, the Lord you know, I'm added to that uh, 10x stewardship, and that came out of Daniel 1. And um, that had everything to do with uh, taking responsibility. Pastor asked the question, what's your responsibility? How many know that we have a responsibility? God has a responsibility. His responsibility is to his word. We have a responsibility to agree and do his word. The Bible says it's the doer of the word that is blessed. And then last week, the pastor um, came out with another layer of, of, of this theme, Occupied Till I Come, but the 10x stewardship in, and, and mining for wisdom and how we must ask the right questions as we are mining and pursuing wisdom. So key. So go back and check those, check those out so that you can get uh, caught up. But but um, what we want to focus on tonight is we want to just add another add another layer. And um, um, uh, when God brings words, he intends for it to build upon itself. Um, when I was younger, my dad would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and. He wasn't satisfied with just two slices of bread and with the peanut butter on one and the jelly on the other. So he had this, this word, I don't know if he came up with it or, or, or what have you, but he would make a sandwich, but then he would take another slice and then put P 
peanut butter on the already made sandwich right on top of it. Then take some jelly and put it on the slice of bread that he picked up. Put it on there and put it on the sandwich that he just made. And he called that a triple decker. Which was another layer to that sandwich because he was hungry. And he said, man, this, this, these two layers, they're good, but I want some more. And then he would take another one, a fourth slice, do the same thing, put a slab of peanut butter on that joker, put jelly on the other one, slap it on there and call it a quadruple decker. Another layer. This is how God works. He, he adds another layer and another layer and another layer on to it. So, so, so if you dare, go ahead and try it. It'll change your life. Because I remember I tried it. I said, you know what? I'm not going back to two slices because this is, this is just too good. So, so we're going to add an, another layer. So here's what, what I want you to do is write on your paper if you have it or tap in your tablet or smartphone or digital device the mentality of true stewardship. The mentality of true stewardship. Stewardship. So our overarching theme is Occupy Until I Come. Our, sub, our subtext is 10x stewardship, and we'll break that down, um, particularly for those who are just joining with us. And our title is The Mentality of True Stewardship. Um, keep in mind, when we try to 10x, and we'll define what that is, in the way the world does things, we get the world's results. If we 10x in the way God does things, we get God's results. It's really simple. If you want God's results, we have to do it God's way. If you want the world's results, then go ahead and do it the world's way. And let me just make note, caveat the world's results now. They lead to nothing because everything we gain in this world, we can't take it with us. Everything we gain and try to, and, and that we think is so important is really not that important at all. Especially as you get um, older and older, not old, because you throw out what's old, but you get older and older and wiser and wiser, you start to uh, allow those things that are frivolous, that you once placed priority over, you allow those to just roll off and not become as important as they used to be. So that's what we want to lay out the mentality of true stewardship, what it is and what it's not. And, and in that, you'll get some instruction as to what you should do in your thinking in regards to stewardship. Because stewardship is a neutral word. That's why we put true on the beginning of it. Because that which is true comes from the Lord. That which is true comes from the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. So if you want to find out the truth of a thing, what really is it, then you have to inquire of the Lord. You have to find out what Jesus is saying about it, what the Lord has to say, what the word of God has to say about that thing. So when we say true stewardship, we're saying, God, what is stewardship from your standpoint? What is stewardship from your standpoint? And when I say it's a neutral term, I mean that well, let's define stewardship first, okay? Let's, let's break it down. And actually, we'll just break down what, what we mean by 10x stewardship. 10x stewardship. When you 10x something, the, the first thing that comes to mind uh, when I hear 10x is, you know, taking things up to another level, growth, something big, um, doing more than what you've done, uh, changing the way you do things, uh, 10xing it. And... Um, uh, you may have seen that term, you know, on online from from different maybe speakers or individuals. Um, but that 10x came from Daniel one, where the way he and his friends did life was different than the king's crew, so to speak. And as a result, when the king asked them questions, when the king, you know, kind of find out. Or, 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 you know, tried to find out what they were about. He, 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 he marveled so much that, th that the Word of God says that they were ten times better than all of his other employees, so, so to speak. Now, being better doesn't mean that one person is in, insignificant and another person is 
quote unquote, made better. But what it has to do with is higher wisdom, with higher results, higher activity. So, you know, for example, we'll use sports. You can have someone, um, and we'll use basketball for an example, you can have someone who shoots free throws at 90% uh, uh, success rate. So they make nine out of 10 free throws. And then you can have someone who makes 40% uh, 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 of the time, free throws, four out of 10. In the work or the results, the one who shoots 90 is better than the one who shoots 40. Not as a person better, but the output is better. That's just the reality of it. And as you can see, the number is higher. So everything God does is higher. You know, uh, and God is, is, is definitely more than a 10x, but, but this just kind of gives an example of um, how much of a difference, keyword difference, the things of God are versus the things of the world. So 10x is a distinct difference. You got to know that. 10x is a distinct difference. In other words, $10 and $100 is very, very, very different. So $10 and $15 is a difference, you know, but it's still kind of close. $10 versus $100 is a distinct difference. $10,000 versus $100,000 is a distinct difference. God has called us to be a distinct difference to leave a distinct, differing mark, to make distinct impact, so much so that it's very clear that this is not that, and that is not this. That, that, that is the, the um, that's how far the difference is between the things of God and the things of this world, uh, the fallen things, the things of the enemy. It's a wide gap a 10x gap, a distinct difference. Because popular to, or contrary to popular opinion, the enemy is not omnipotent. The enemy is not omnipresent. The, the enemy can't do everything God can. He tries to mirror what God does, or mimic what God does, but there is no comparison. So whenever we talk about True stewardship, we're talking about God's way of doing things. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. In the Amplified, it, it gives, us the, gives us the definition of kingdom, and it says God's ways of doing and being right. His ways of doing it. So our aim is to tonight is to remind ourselves of his ways of walking out this thing we call stewardship. So... 10x, remember this, that, that it's not about going to another level, but it's about going to a higher level. Because when you go to a higher level, by default, you go to another level. So our aim is to seek those things which are above, as the word said. Those things which are above, which are higher. Come, 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 come up higher. It's, it's so necessary because the lower we are, then we start to think lower. But the higher we are, we start to think higher thoughts, and we get higher and better results. So stewardship, let's, let's define what that is. It's a person who manages another's property. A person who manages another's property. Also someone who is in charge of someone's household. Okay? A steward is someone who manages another's property. So we must understand that it's all about managing and handling and dealing with something that's not even yours. You didn't pay for it. You didn't sacrifice for it. So, so, so your approach to it has to be different. Your approach to it has to be different. And sometimes we can confuse servanthood with stewardship. Servanthood is when you are, are given a task and you complete that task. Okay, give it a task and you complete that task. So within stewardship is servanthood. Okay, but stewardship takes things to a higher level. Okay, there are tasks and then there are responsibilities. Tasks 
meaning, hey, I do this, do that task, getting things done. Responsibility means I ensure the outcome of a thing. I'm, 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 I'm assuming responsibility to ensure the success of that thing that ultimately does not even belong to me. What? Because, you know, the world's way of thinking is, you know, I want my own, my own, my own, my own, my own. I don't want to have to answer to anybody. See, that's a twisted way of stewardship where, where you will do everything possible to do what you want and not want to submit and execute another's desires. So handling it like it belongs to you. This is what stewardship is. You're handling something like it belongs to you. When we were younger and we would go over someone's house, and when I say we, I'm talking about my siblings, any one of us, when we would go over someone's house, um, uh, there would be a 10x expectation. So when we're home, we could do certain things, okay? Um, we could probably, you know, walk around uh, the house with our, sh uh, with our shoes on. We could probably, uh, hey, we can go and take something out the refrigerator without, you know, asking, hey, I'm hungry, you know, because I live there. Um, now, there was still a standard of stewardship in our home, you know, cleaning our rooms, uh, washing our clothes, uh, cleaning up after ourselves, uh, in the kitchen, washing our own dishes, uh, those kinds of things, doing quote-unquote chores. So, so, so there was a level of stewardship because we didn't own the house. We just lived there, okay, for free. Uh, so, so there was an expectation already at home. But when we would go to someone else's house, this expectation went up 10x. It 10x. It went, it went to a, another level. Another level. Where mom would say, don't touch. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Uh, 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 take your shoes off. Don't just go into somebody's refrigerator, uh, refrigerator, refrigerator and pull out their food. Don't just uh, you know, go and use someone's um, um, things. Hey, you need to ask before you do certain things. Don't just run around so-and-so's house. Any parents know what I'm talking about. Don't go over there and act a fool. Don't go over there and act up. She was setting a 10X expectation to say, oh, wait a second. Okay, there's certain things and standards that we have at home, but when we get out here, it's a different standard. It's a different expectation because I have a say-so in what I allow you to do at the house, but you, you are now on someone else's dime. You are engaging in someone else's resources. If we were driving in someone else's car, we're not stopping by McDonald's to get um, uh, fries because fries has ketchup. And anybody who knows fries and has eaten fries, ketchup gets places. We wouldn't drink red juice and certain things. There was a, there was a higher level of stewardship that was expected of us because we were now in and, 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 and around something that was not ours. So when I hear 10X, that, the word that comes to mind that the Lord dropped on me, and it's a word that we're all familiar with here at Abounding Grace, and it is the word abounding. Let me, let me remind uh, those who know what it means, but those who don't know what it means. Whenever you hear from this point forward, when you hear pastor or anyone uh, say 10x stewardship, it means abounding stewardship, stewardship that abounds. Abounding means super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. That sounds like a 10x to me. To go beyond, to be better. There's that word again, to be better, to, to exceed, to excel, to be out front, having enough to spare, super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. He said, take it up to another level. Take it up to another level. Now, our foundational scripture um, for the past few weeks has been Luke 19. So let's look at that and let's read in the New King James, uh, Luke 19, and we'll start at verse 12. And we'll probably go to uh, 23, 12 to about, to about 23. Because this particular parable paints the picture of stewardship that 
you and I should extract revelation from. So it's the parable of the minas. Now, this also is mentioned in Matthew, but that's the parable of the talents. So it's the same context, but uh, different dynamics in each uh, parable. So verse 12, it says, therefore, he said, this is Jesus speaking, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minutes and said to them, do business till I come. I believe this is the New King James, which is also another translation says occupied till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, master, your mina has earned 10 minutes. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second one saying, came, Master, your minute has earned five minutes. Likewise, he said unto him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your minute, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not, dis uh, not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the minute from him and give it to him who has ten minutes. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minutes. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. The point here within this passage is, is not focusing on the, 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 the consequence of bad stewardship, but, but to pay attention to what happens when we engage in true stewardship. Um, so every owner, because in this um, particular a passage, you know, the uh, man was, you know, an owner. So he, so he had servants. Um, and he had an expectation for them to produce a result. So let me use the example of sports again. So when an owner drafts a player or trades for a player, they have an expectation for that player to add to the success of the team and not take away from the success of the team. There's not an owner in the sports dumb world that will bring in a player in order to bring the team down, to bring the team low. The expectation every time when an owner, because remember, our life is not our own. See, we, we, we stand on God's property. He, he, he created all, he owns all. The aim of every owner, whenever they put someone into the organization, put someone on the team, aim of every coach, everyone who has an oversight of responsibility, because they themselves are stewards. They're expecting the player to be a good steward themselves because it's not their team. It's the owner's team. It's, it's, it's not their team to coach. It's the coach's team to coach. But it's the player's job to play and be a good steward because they were chosen to play, and nowadays you can get, let's just say the big four, you know, maybe in, um, in NHL, MLB, NFL, NBA, you can be compensated very well um, when you engage in good stewardship by being on the team. In other words, if you're adding to the success and causing it to multiply, the more money you get. See, here's how it works. If a team gets to the playoffs, there's a bonus check. If a player makes an all-star team, that's, that's, oh, that's another contractual increase there. Makes an all-NBA team, and, you know, and, and, and I'm referencing basketball here. Uh, there's another you know, kind of increase there. And what happens is the whole team benefits. The whole team gets increases. The, the, the organization gets an increase. The whole 
borough where that team resides, the whole city gets an increase. You see this domino effect because of good stewardship, but what I wanted to make a point of is that the owner has an expectation that the players add to what's going on and not take away from it. Anybody wanna be a part of a team that, that, that everybody is on the team adding to it? We've all been on teams where there was either one or more than one that were bringing the team down because they lacked a mindset of true stewardship. So let's, let's unpack that. So when we say mindset, when we say mindset, we're talking about a fixed attitude, a fixed intention and disposition. So let me give you a visual example of what a mindset looks like. A mindset is like putting on a hat and not taking it off. Because before you get to a mindset, you have to entertain thoughts. So a mindset is like putting on a hat and not taking it off. You've, you've probably you know, know someone who, who wears a hat all the time. And they wear it so often that you expect them to have the hat on every time you see them. It's just the way that, that they've, you know, be, they almost became one with the hat. Where if they take it off, it, it just looks weird. Like, whoa, I haven't seen you with your, with your hat off there. And, and so that, that came by continuously having it on every day, wherever they go, all the time, keeping the hat on. And when you keep it on, when you ensure that it's on all the time, 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 it becomes fixed to your style, fixed to your personality. The same goes with thoughts. Thoughts become mindsets when they're meditated on day in, day out, consistency over time. Mindsets don't just happen just like that. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to transform how you see stewardship, because this is what we want. We want all of our viewpoints of stewardship to be transformed. But beginning from, from tonight, transformation happens when we renew our minds. Because when we think a certain way, we will now do that way that we think. I'm going to say that again. When we think a certain way, see, a, a, a way is like a path. We will then do the way that we're thinking. Why do we do the way that we're thinking? Because those thoughts have become a mindset. And the aim is to get to a point where it's automatic. Get to a point where it's automatic. Here's an example. When, um, so let's, we'll talk to adults. When you were learning how to drive a car, you had to think about, Adjusting your mirror, ten and two, uh, looking at your uh, your your you know gauges, um, uh, adjusting your you know side mirrors, all those kinds of things or whatever, and you have to think about those things, and then you were just you know very conscious of pressing the accelerator and 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 the um, the uh, brake, and for those who drove sticks, you had to be conscious of shifting and you know all that kind of thing, and and you were so thinking about it. That, that, that you, you probably you know, got a little antsy every time you got behind the wheel at the beginning. You, you got a little fearful, got a little, you know, like, like so like, you know, because you're just learning. But then over time, it becomes natural to where you actually don't even think about driving. You just do it. You don't think about, you know, putting your seatbelt on or adjusting your mirrors. Because in certain cases, you may start driving and adjust the mirrors while you're going. But when you're first starting out, you have no idea how to do one or the other. You're just trying to do everything by the book so that you don't get into a wreck. But after a while, it becomes automatic. Automatic. And at that point, you, when something becomes automatic, transformation has taken place. You are no longer that. You are this. So, What kind of mind should we allow to be fixed in us? Because when we talk about true stewardship, we're talking about 
the way Christ would do it, you know, the way Jesus would do it, the, uh, the, the entertaining, the thinking of Christ. For Philippians 2 and 5, you don't have to turn there, it says, um, let's just say in the King, King James, let this mind be in you. The New Living Translation says that the same, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In the English Standard Version says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The New King James says the same thing as the King James. Let this mind be in you. Be means to abide, to persist in you, to inhabit in you. Let it be in you. Let this thinking take up residence. Let it be in you. Put it on and don't take it off. Because what can happen is you can take it off inadvertently and start thinking about something else. But then we have to make sure, hold on, let me put it on. Let me put it on. Because that's what daily discipline in the word, meditating on it does. Well, you keep putting it on, putting it on, putting it on so much that it now becomes a part of you that you don't have to think about putting on. It's just automatic. Hey, I'm meditating on the word. I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on the right ways of thinking, setting all of this up because you have to understand how this works because you can decree and, you, and, and we can speak it and we have to because when you speak, that's creative power. But remember the scripture that says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not transformed by the speaking out of your mouth. Or transformed by doing something every now and then. Every now and then. Because God wants us to be doers. So let me give you two contrasting thought processes of stewardship. Okay? We're going to give you the world's mindset. Then we're going to give you God's mindset. Okay, so if this is practical, something for you to take hold, chew on, and apply to your lives. And these came by revelation of just meditating on that passage uh, that, that we read earlier. So the world's mindset concerning stewardship. So remember that mindset. So this is what the world has on their thinking. It's what they're thinking about all the time. The world's mindset. When we say the world's mindset, uh, the aim of the world is to fulfill their own desires. It's to fulfill their own desires. And when we say world, we're talking about ungodly uh, uh, multitudes, those who are alienated from, from God. So keep that in mind. But their aim is to fulfill their own desires. Everyone has an aim. Every steward has an aim. Everybody on earth is a steward. What kind of steward are you? This is what God is you know, provoking us to address. So, number one of the world's mindset, which the aim is to fulfill their own desires, they pay attention to quantity only. They pay attention to quantity only. This is where comparison comes in. I'm always looking at how much I have in comparison to someone else. I'm grading success in an area by how much, how many dollars, how many people, how many likes, how many shares, how many uh, videos, how many, 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 many. I pay attention to quantity only. See, quantity is a byproduct of true stewardship. But the world's mindset, only, they're focusing on quantity, quantity. This is, this, is the, this is success here. This is how I'm going to handle this. Quantity only, always looking at what can be naturally measured. Quantity. Number two, pursuing their own desires. There's a sign when you cross over from Delaware to PA, that's where we are, and it's a big sign, and the sign says, pursue your own happiness. That's a clear indication of the world's mindset, because this is how these mindsets can eke into our mindset, and then we find ourselves walking that way. And then we'll lean over into something that's not true. That's not what God said. So pursuing my own desires means I'm seeking to gratify 
my own. Well, how can you do that when you don't own anything? So, so see, see, God graciously gave us life. So I can't gratify my own desires. Here's why. It doesn't lead to anything good. This is a world's mindset. We said at the beginning, world's methods lead to, they lead downward. I'm going to say it that way. The world's methods lead downward. They may look like they're going up, but they always lead downward. They always lead downward. They don't remain. They're here today, gone tomorrow. The attention span of people nowadays is so short. It's so very short. You'll be spinning your wheels if you're always thinking about quantity, quantity only. Um, um, the, uh, the word says, the leech has two daughters, give and give. Where, where, where if you're always wanting more and more and more and more and more and more and more, you know, ask, ask the writer of um, 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 Ecclesiastes. He, he, th see, this, this brother, and I believe the author was Solomon, this brother, he said, I did not deny myself anything my heart desired. I wanted everything. And he went after everything, which included women. Walking down the street like, I want you, 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 and you, and you, and you. 700 wives. See, at the end of the chapter, he says, you know what? I come to a conclusion. Fear God. The man who had so much, he didn't deny himself any pleasure that he desired. And he came to a conclusion to say, fear God. But yet the world wants you to pursue your own desires because you created you. you. You made you. You are here because you gave birth to yourself. So pursue your own desires because you are your creator. Pursue your own truth. Number three, this is the world's mindset. The reason why we're making the distinction, I said it before, because there is a clear distinction between God's way and every other way. But you have to recognize it because when you recognize it, because these thought patterns can try to eat their ways up. But we have a strategy, instruction given to us in the word that says casting down vain imaginations. Every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. But we got to capture those things and determine, is this God? If it's not, let's discard it. Let's hold on to what is true. But you have to identify it. It's, it's very important to identify. That way you can be extremely aware. Bam, bam, bam. The only way a batter can hit a strike is that they know what a ball looks like, if I could say it like that. The only way a batter can hit a ball going at 90 miles an hour is that they've cultivated the ability to look at it and know when that's not the right pitch so they won't swing at it. That's the way thoughts come. And you have a choice. You can swing at it or just let it pass. Let it pass. But a thought from God, oh, you want to swing at that joker. Because when you take a thought from God, you're hitting home runs all day. All day. In due season, you will read. Number four. Oh, did I say number three? Uh, yeah. Oh, so number three. World's mindset will put another down to prop themselves up. We're talking about stewardship in the world's mindset. Put another down to prop themselves up. Put another down to prop themselves up. Each and every one of us have been in places and positions in certain things in certain walks of life. Let me just be honest with you. You didn't put you there. Somebody else chose you to be there in every walk of life. Someone, someone chose you to be there. God chose for you to be birthed into this world. The job you have, someone selected you for it. If you play Little League, there was somebody who chose you to be on Little League. Um, uh, um, you know, if you put something out and, and, and somebody watches it, they chose to watch it. But the world's mindset says, well, by any means necessary, so I need to put people down, particularly those I don't like. You know, I'm not putting people down that I like. I'm going to put people down I don't like to prop myself up. They're looking 
to promote themselves. Let me give you the contrast to, to this here. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. See, when God promotes, it's so much better than you promoting yourself. But the world wants you to put another down so you can prop yourself up. Number four, seeks to promote themselves. To promote themselves. Mindset of stewardship in the word, that individual is looking to promote themselves, not the cause of who put them there or gave them the opportunity. I'm seeking to promote themselves. There are those who want certain positions just so that they can promote themselves, not so that they can carry out the mission of the one that gave them the position. But I just want the title so that I can get on with my career. I just want that title so I can get on with my money. I just want this and that so that I can get on with what I got to do and promote my own self. The world's mindset, and I'm doing this deliberately because I'm showing you that you, these are thoughts that you put on. And you can either keep it on or take it off. And what you put on the most, you will become. And if you focus on the longest, becomes the strongest. What does that look like? Whatever you think about the most, you will become that. Number five, complains and does not contribute. Complains and does not contribute. Complainers don't contribute. World's mindset, complaining, 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 complaining. 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 Because complaints come from a place of ignorance. Because oftentimes, you don't know the whole story. You don't know what so-and-so in that position knows. But I want to complain what's not working, what's not going right, what's not. That's, that's called the world's way of stewardship. That's called, you know, kind of, you know, uh, not taking responsibility, but rather casting blame on why things aren't, aren't working. But we will give you the contrasting mindset. And that's what we, what we want you to hold on to. Six. These are thought processes that you find in this fallen world that... Hey, if we're in the world, we will come up against them, but we should not be of the world, which means we have a choice. I'm not of that. I'm not of that. Six, seeks to gain without having sown anything. Seeks to gain without having sown anything. Back to that scripture, that passage, that third individual decided to kind of not do anything to what the owner gave to him. And he was thinking he was going to gain some kind of favor because, look, I gave you back what you gave me. Or I hid what you gave me. Trying to gain without having sown, without having planted anything, but trying to get something for nothing. To get something for nothing. To get a Handout without having planted something. We're not talking about giving to those who, um, who, who actually need it. We're talking about those who, do libit, those who, do, those who do deliberately seek to gain without wanting to contribute to no, uh, and, and, and no kind of way or plant in no kind of way. So I gave you a scripture reference, Romans 8 and 5. So... Meditate on that. And this is, um, actually, no, I don't think I gave you that one. But I did mention that a line must be drawn. And what proves that is Romans 8 and 5, okay, which says in the Amplified, we don't have to turn there, for those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. That right there paints the picture that we just laid out. But those who are according to the Spirit are controlled by the desires of the Spirit. Set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now let's go ahead and contrast to the good, the good news, the, 
the true stewardship mindset. This is Christ's mindset concerning stewardship. This is, this is the mindset you want to put on. Because your aim is to fill, fulfill the owner's desires. And his desires are always good. His plans for us are always good. To give us a future and, and an expected end. His plans for us are not to go down. He's not expecting us to bring the team down. He's expecting us to elevate the team. And he gives us what we call a supernatural advantage. He, he, he graces us to do what we can't do in our own natural ability. Number one, a true steward knows that what they have has been graciously given. This is what you want to think, think like. This is what you want to entertain in your thinking, that what you have has been graciously given, whatever you have. Because we can think about the quantity and the, 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 the size of my car, the size of my house, how much money I have. No, 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 no. Because listen, how God set this thing up, he takes that which is small and he multiplies it. He take that which is, takes that which is little and he can make it big. He takes that which is weak and makes it strong. So in the kingdom of God, there is no small. There, is no, there are no dead ends, which means wherever you are right now, that can change. That can 10x. But it starts from this position and this mindset of true stewardship, know that what you have has been graciously given to you. See, this, this bears the fruit of gratitude and gratefulness. This bears the fruit of, of freely I receive, freely I give. See, this causes you to plant good seeds. See, the world's mindset will cause you to plant bad seeds. Bad seeds yield bad fruit. So now I'm going to plant good seeds. In other words, I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to say, God, I thank you in a place of lack, in a place of plenty. I, I, I thank you because, God, it didn't come from me. That God, you've, that, God, you have provided for me everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, so the least I can do is give it back to you by, by, by making sure that I handle this in the best way that I know how because that gives glory and honor back to him. See, the... The, 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 um, the revelation that you pull out of that passage that we read was the revelation of faithfulness. And it mentioned it. He who is faithful in little will, little will be faithful in much. Jesus wasn't mentioning uh, the concept of quantity. It has nothing to do with quantity. It has everything to do with faithfulness. Everything to do with being faithful with what you have. It doesn't matter. If you have $10, God will look at the one who, who handles the $10 with faithfulness and with care and say, that's what I'm looking for, as opposed to someone who, 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 who can just make money by the pounds, by the pounds, and they're just kind of frivolously, you know, doing, spending, doing, doing whatever they want with it. He said, no, I'm looking for faithfulness because what they have has been graciously given. Number two, true stewardship is concerned about what the owner desires. This bears the fruit of humility. Bears the fruit of humility. No one likes to be around someone who's prideful. No one likes to be around someone who takes all the credit. Who is tooting their own horn. Who is only concerned about their own desires. But true stewards are concerned about the owner's desires. How can I fulfill your mission? I thank you for the opportunity. How can I work for your cause? Because we work in his vineyard. God, we thank you for life. God, I thank you for healing me. God, I thank you for providing for me. Because this is why we have to remember what God does because out of that place of thankfulness and thanksgiving, we do. Not, not because God, you know, God's a hard taskmaster and is cracking a whip, but no, I willingly serve. I, I willingly want to turn around and, and, and as a glory and honor to you, God, God, what would you have me to do 
with these resources? How would you have me to govern my time? How would you have me to govern my relationships? How would you have me to steward my children and steward my car, my home, my house, everything that I have? Because I'm so grateful and thankful. And I, and I recognize your desires for me are, are for good because we are all working for somebody. Even God works for someone and that's himself. He said, I, he said, I can't separate myself from my word. He said, I, 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 I hold myself to my word. Our response is, I hold myself to his word. I hold myself to his desires. Because that, that keeps you on mission. That keeps you on task. That keeps you on purpose. Because if I'm concerned about the owner's desires, I will be obedient to the owner's desires. Very important. The world will, o- obedience is, it is a word that the world's mindset doesn't, doesn't want to hear. O- obey. Obey my leaders. Obey my parents. I want to pursue my own happiness. I'm not, I'm obeying me. Absolutely. Those mindsets creep in, but God is saying, hey, make sure that this is how you're thinking. This is how you're thinking. What does the owner desire? Four, the true steward is concerned about increasing the owner's value. Increasing the owner's value. God, I want to add to your bottom line. Not my own bottom line. Because the word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So he takes care of your bottom line while you're taking care of his bottom line. Hallelujah. And five. Ensures there is interest. In other words, a return on what was given. The true steward looks at what they have, whatever they have, and say, God, this is what I have. But God, there will be a return. I won't look at the quantity. I won't look at how much I have. I will look at the fact that I have, and I will thank you for it, and I will steward this in the best way I know how because I'm honoring you in the process. And God, when I, when I honor you, Father, God, you, you bless that. God will not bless unrighteousness, but he blesses righteousness every time, every time. And never forget the reward of a true steward. At verse 23 said, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. See, the reward of faithfulness is rulership. The reward of faithfulness is rulership. Because if you're going to principally be faithful at this level, you'll be faithful at this level. But it requires for us to maintain the proper mindset and trust God in the process. Because we can get caught up in quantity. In other words, how long it's taking. How, how, how long it's took or where I should be or whatever. It's not even about all of that. The world uses those measurements. They use the measurements of years and, and you know, hours and, and, and financial measurements and all kinds of natural measurements. But God's not looking at that. He's not measuring that. He's looking at faithfulness. He's looking at stewards that will be faithful with what you have been given because he's looking to smack you over, up, upside the head in a good way, <laughs> to blow on that thing. But he's, but he's looking for the faith. He's, he's looking for that one that says, God, this is for you. So I will handle this. Because God, it, it is a reflection of you. And that is in everything. And, and we gave examples. That's in everything. Our relationships. Well, how we handle the jobs that we have. Because, because the world will tell you, if you don't like your job, you don't like your leadership, you don't have to give 100%. They better be glad I'm here. Got me, got me doing all this work. Shoot, if I left, that's going to saddle you with all this work. You better be glad I'm here. No, 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 no. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful. Because we have to recognize the, the, the influence and the power of the kingdom of God. Because it's so contagious. Because you putting on a true steward's hat 
and you're doing your work, getting results, hitting it, it will cause other, other people to envy you and be like, oh, because Psalms 1 is real. He said, blessed, happy, and fortunate to be, to be envied. See, that one that's walking up right before the Lord. Other people would say, hold on, hold on. Because truth be told, everybody wants to be around that which is producing. Regardless of what you believe, everybody wants to be around that which is producing. But misery does love company, as they say, where, hey, I ain't going to get them all. You're not going to get them all? I ain't going to get them all. They doing this, they doing that. So we just going to do just enough, head on home, world mindset. The true steward's mindset says, I work as unto the Lord. I'm not working for this company. I'm not working for my boss. I'm working as unto the Lord. Because God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Because they'll look at you and say, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because I'm working as unto the Lord. Because the Lord is watching. Not watching to, to, to chastise me, but watching and looking to find faith. Who he can be good to and say, that's what I'm looking for. <sighs> Give me more of that. Because when you're faithful and little, God will see to it that you get more to be faithful with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> As we started to come to, to a close, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was last week. Last week we were at a, um, we were at a, um, a, a very uh, momentous occasion, very unique occasion. And I, d I didn't realize it until a certain point of the event. But it was my, my grandparents my, on my wife's side, uh, their 70th anniversary, like seven zero. So they got married when they were 18 and 19 years old. They are 88 and 89. So they've been married for 70 years. And in that room, they were married longer than 98% of the people in the room were, were alive. And, <clears throat> and um, toward the end, or I guess throughout, but you know, past the halfway point of the event, there were certain individuals that um, were called to speak and give words, their friends and family and you know, those kinds of things, people that, that knew them growing up. And each one, let me tell you what they didn't say. They didn't say anything about a title that they have gained in their life. They didn't say anything about how much money they obtained. They didn't say anything about the resources and the possessions that they gained. They said nothing about anything tangible. What they commented on were, were things like this. You were like a father to me. Or, or, or you were like a mother to me. Or we watched your marriage and, and, and we gleaned wisdom from your marriage. We watched your family and you gave us a good picture to strive for in your family. We saw you how you kept your house clean. We saw you how you kept yourself clean and always put together. We heard words like, thank you what you did for me back in such and such. That if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am. We heard things like that. What's the point that I'm making here? It had nothing to do with things that are here today going tomorrow. It had everything to do with eternal fruit. Eternal fruit that will last long after they've transitioned and gone to, to glory. Eternal fruit. See, this is what true stewardship produces. In people, something that's eternal, that's transferable, that changes lives, that impacts lives. And they were so moved when they were hearing that. Because oftentimes we'll be thinking about 
what we don't have and where we're not in this life. And God is like, don't be concerned about those things. Don't be concerned about those things. You don't think I can hook you up and just like that? He said, but I'm not, I'm not watching those things. I'm not paying attention to those things that we call success. Those things that we, you know, put so high and think that, think that it's so important. Because that thing that you really want so much, once you get it, it becomes so common to you. In that honeymoon period, it wears out. Ask anybody who's ever bought a house, bought a car, bought a new pair of shoes, got the latest iPhone. Ask them. It wears off, wears off, wears off. But what lasts and what remains are those things that people, they're 88, 89, people in their 60s and 70s were saying, when I was a teenager, this is what you did. When I was 30 years younger, this is what you did. Thank you. It was honoring the work of true stewards. Am I saying that they did everything right? No. But what I am saying is they were people that wanted to do right by the Lord, served faithfully in the house of the Lord, but without the title, were literally pastoring people. And as a result, there's fruit that remains in the lives of people. John 15 and 16 in the Amplified says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you, I have planted you, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. The Lord's desire is that our fruit remain. True fruit that comes from true stewardship, that comes from right thinking, that produces right mindsets, that produces the right results, that causes a ripple effect in this life and the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. So about face tonight, Christian, believer of the Most High, put on the mind of Christ that is concerned about the Father's desires, that is willing to be faithful regardless of what's going on, willing to be faithful that if you are aware of it, what he's called you to do, be faithful and be thankful and do everything as unto the Lord because you're not working for man. You're working for the Lord. And he always blesses those who work for him. And yet we don't do it because he will bless us. That's a byproduct. I don't have to you know, do things for my parents because they're going to give stuff to me. They willingly give. Like, it's better to, to have relationship because you have what they have. It's better to have relationship with the Lord Jesus because now you have what he has. You don't have to seek after the things that the power of God can, quote, give you. He said, no, no. He said, I'll take care of your, your field, your house, your family. So you give that to me. That's what a good, a true steward does. Commits it unto the Lord. I take my kids, God, and I give them back to you. My marriage, I give it to you. That's true stewardship. And say, God, what, how do I do this right? How do I walk this out? When, when, when my wife and I were dating, the Lord was sure to remind me that she does not belong to you because we were on the path to, um, to um, marriage. I, I believe we may have been engaged at that point. And he's like, remember, when you get married, she doesn't belong to you. She belongs to me. So you give her back to me, and I'll show you how to love her. 
very important in every walk of life. Your children are not, not yours. You commit them to the Lord, and the Lord will teach you how to raise them right. And he'll deal with their heart. He'll, he'll, he'll deal with them. But true stewards are concerned about the Lord's desires. God, what do you want for this situation, that situation, that situation? What's my response? And the more we think this way, the more it becomes automatic and a part of our very lives, and it affects everything around us. True stewardship affects everything around you because God is shining a light on that. The Bible says, let your light shine. Let it so shine that men may see the goodness of the Lord and glorify God. That's the, that's the necessity of true uh, stewardship, that he ultimately gets the glory. Father, we thank you tonight for your grace. God, we praise you for your heart concerning your people and what we ought to do here in this life. God, we thank you for bringing clarity to those who are wandering or, or wanting to know what should I be about, what should I you know, do, where do I go from here, God. God, I pray that that that, God, you stir them up, shift their thinking, shift their perspective to that which goes from working for one's, my own desires, working for my own gratitude, working for the glory of myself, working to gain, 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 gain for my good pleasure, to that of being faithful to you for your good pleasure to that of being faithful to what you've promised, to that of being faithful to your word, faithful to your cause, knowing that the fruit that comes out of that faithfulness continues from generation to generation. And God, I thank you right now for, for for, for, for causing that which seemed difficult to now become easy. Those strongholds of the mind that we decreed and declared that be broken, let them be broken now, God, in Jesus' name. We thank you for a full release, God, a full release, fresh decisions, fresh vision and outlook and perspective that, God, as we do life, that as we go from this place, that, God, we do things with a new mindset, that we start on a new path, knowing, God, that as Philippians 2.13 says, it's, it's not an strength, for it is you, all the while effectually at work in us, energizing and creating in us the power and desire both to will and to work for your good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. Because it is your goodness that brings men to repentance. For it is not your will that any should perish, 